Thank you very much for the invitation. Um, it's great to be here. My name is Pearl and I'm from Galway in the west of Ireland. I'm actually from Ockram, County Galway in the west of Ireland. It's a very small village. I was just uh, having a chat there about uh, the amount of dead that were left in the fields of Ockram uh, as a result of a battle long ago. I was reared in a pub there um, and I was in a family of 11. I was second oldest of a family of 11. And uh, so I was, I couldn't give you a date when I started drinking because alcohol was something that was very available. Um, and, um, you know, it was the cure-all, whether it was a sheep or a lamb or a cow or a person or a whatever, there was always a solution in a drink of some sort. I had somewhat of a kidney problem at one stage and my father recommended that if I drank barley wine, it was a poor man's whiskey, uh, if I drank barley wine, it would uh, sort out the problem. I drank as much barley wine as could be found in the West of Ireland. <laughs> I think to stop supplying it um, um, by the time, you know, um, but anyway, that's one of the examples of um, remedies uh, that were used in my household for alcohol. There was, um, there was a lot of alcohol consumed. It's a very smoky environment. It was no place for a child um, on the bar stool. It wasn't, um, you know, but it was where you could get attention with 11 children. We had pigs out the back that were fed with the stock from the border. We had um, grocery, we had um, the bar, we had, we sold drugs for the sheep and the cattle. We showed, sold butchered. We, uh, as I said, it was a, an enterprise all of itself and plenty of workers uh, reared in it that were trained in it. And, we didn't really need to go to school because all we needed to do was know how to charge enough and if they couldn't pay for it, put it in the book. So we needed to be able to read and write, do your sums very early on and pull a pint. It was part of the world and part of the lifestyle. So I could say that I'm a qualified barmaid from, from as long as I could reach, stand on a box, to the tap to pull a pint. And so my own um, journey into uh, taking a drink, as I said, started very early. I was fascinated with the colours on the top shelf. I was uh, wanting to sample it all. Um, I was unteachable at school. I was in problems at school all the way along. Uh, I was sent to several different schools and the, you know, which was in trouble um, all the way along because of my, um, I suppose, defiance of being unteachable. And the other thing I was always fascinated with uh, was, you know, in, when you're living in an environment like that with so many people and so many, so many uh, children with different needs and different, you know, personalities, fairly big personalities as well. 
and you know we were there to be civilized with customers and it's your turn to go out and serve now i went out the last time and it was that kind of an environment where you know you had to be able to listen to or hold a conversation on the price of sheep or whatever it was just you did what was needed in the environment and so it was an education in itself to be in it um but as i said as a personality i had problems um from very early on um i was in trouble from very early on um and um I ran away from home, which have been one of the stories several times. Um, I, one scenario where one of my sisters said, you come with me and mind me. My elder sister said she didn't want me to go. And um, so they said, I stopped drinking when I was 26. And I stopped drinking as a result of, as was mentioned there, I had a sister who was, um, was killed in a motorbike accident by a drunk driver when she was 18. I was 26 or 25, maybe 24, 25 at the time. And one of the episodes was where, you know, there was many things. Like my drinking involved, I was abusive and I was abused. I was beaten and I was a beater. I was, I was a rogue. I would take whatever I wanted. When I wanted, um, you know, cigarettes, I would take from the shop. And uh, the drink I would take from the shop, the money I would take from the shop, you know, as well as, you know, working um, myself because, you know, wherever I was, I moved to England, got in trouble there too. Um, ran away from another, run away from home with a carrier bag. Like it was a mess um, with boyfriends. It was a mess with my parents. I was an embarrassment to them in my behavior. Um, and they were obviously kind enough to try and mind me. Um, that, that, um, but I wasn't, certainly wasn't able to mind myself as for self-respect or, um, you know, listening to other people's opinion or advice, I, I couldn't take it. Um, and so, yeah, I was in trouble and I put a drink on top of it and I was more trouble. And that's what it was like. And when I stopped, when I, I, I was so beaten, I used to shake all the time, um, couldn't hold a cup without it rattling. Um, I smoked all the time. I ate my nails. I I was, you know, it, I, I was in serious trouble. But um, around the time my sister died and she died, um, she was killed, as I said, in a car accident. Um, her name was Irene and, and um, it was a gathering in our kitchen. Our kitchen was a fairly biggish room where we all gathered um, inside the shop door. Um, at one of our 
gatherings and her friends were there and friends of hers were saying things like and they had talked to her and they felt that she had helped them you know since she had passed on and they felt that um so so i was listening to this and sitting there because i was again after another session and well beaten i'd been to the you know the doctor and the doctor i was on medication keep my nerves steady my hands steady and you know do you drink much he'd ask and no no just to me alcohol was a solution it wasn't a problem i had mental and emotional problems i didn't see alcohol as a problem and um um i finished the school i was told to be good for nothing and my parents were told to keep me home i'd be good for nothing and i was sent to boarding school and as i said that was my, my main qualification <laughs> and i discovered since getting sober that i'm good for many of the things but but um um yeah that day in our kitchen my father came into the room and came into the kitchen and he said he looked at me and he said it should have been you uh, you were never any good friend and my sister who was killed was you know she sang she played music she did really well in school she you know she was a beautiful young woman ready to step out of the world into life and sure it broke people's hearts but i didn't have a heart that time or if i had it was very far away it certainly wasn't towards kindness you know i'm more resented than anything the family was so big that i was born into so many people and and um and and so um as i said i heard her friends say you know and i heard people in my family say how she had her presence had been felt and, and um i was very broken and usually when when i'd be, have a row with my parents or whatever i would be one who would come back with the mockery and the pub type answer smart alec be more abusive more hurtful than he ever could be you know and uh, um i didn't that day i had no answer because i felt like that too it should have been me and i went to my knees that day uh, to her grave and shortly after that i got introduced to alcoholics anonymous um and the year after um i tried stopping i didn't realize i went to back in the doctor's surgery again more tablets to calm the nerves and keep me keep me steady and that day in the doctor's surgery for some reason there was the 20 questions on the table never saw it before there was nobody else there in the surgery and i picked up the leaflet 
and the 20 questions, I could answer yes, no problem. And I went to the doctor and there was the first time I said, I think I might have a problem with alcohol. And he said, I'll make a call. And so he called a man to take me to a meeting. And I went to the meeting and there was a room full of smoke and contrary old men fighting over a radiator where there should be one in the room. And I said, well, at least they're normal. It's not some religious organization. Because I, I thought I didn't know I was going to. I didn't know what I was, you know. You know, there was a woman sat down beside me. She was a nervous wreck like myself. She had a bit of paper in her hand. She kept twisting it. She kept smoking. And I kept smoking. And the two of us were rattled away in the seat. And that's how it was. Someone offered me a lift home. I said, no, thanks, I'll find my own way. Because that's how I am, you know. And I didn't know whether I'd go back. I didn't know, you know. I didn't know what was to happen. I had um, a very nice man in my life at that stage who, you know, um, said he'd bring me to the meetings and he was glad that I was willing to do something. Um, as I said, I didn't realize I had a problem with that. I didn't realize other people had. In our house where I was reared, you know, being an alcoholic was the dose for my life. And that's not something you wanted to be. Um, yeah. So I did go back and um, I did stay going a little bit. And then I thought, well, you know, I, I never really realized that I had a problem with alcohol. I still wasn't saying I was alcoholic, but I didn't realize that I had a problem. And, and so I, um, I uh, decided, well, I don't need this now that I know, you know, that I won't drink like that again, that's all, you know. And so I, I stopped going. I did, well, I won't say I was really going at that stage, but I, I, um, I did, yeah. But sure, it was okay, maybe I might have had one or two drinks, and then I had maybe three or four drinks, and then maybe I had more than that. And so, the circus was on again, you know, it was only a matter of time. And I try and stop again and I go back again. And so it was like that. And then eventually, as I said, on my 26th birthday, I went to a meeting and I was with two other women. There was very few men like at these meetings. And there was a man there, Jack B, and he was a long time sober. And he said, one in 33 make it. And there was something in me that night that was crying to be one of them, one in 33. I didn't want it no more. I just didn't want the places I wound up in and the way I was treated and how I behaved. Because I create the row 
get out. And by the time I get home again the next time, get back again the next time, I'll be beaten and, you know, sick, sore and sorry again. And I'll never do that again. And, and, um, uh, but invariably I did. And I just didn't want to do it no more. Of anything. I do anything else. That's been my slogan for as long as I've been around. I'm 42 years coming up this October. And as long as I've, I've, it was taken from me. There was many another thing that I've done, but, but that was taken from me. And it is the greatest gift uh, that I could be given be freed from the obsessional, couldn't stop, couldn't stop the behaviour. I went into a treatment centre after two years because my behaviour was, um, you know, I split up with the boyfriend, but that was another drunken session anyway. I had, uh, I lived in a room over a pub, um, one room, sink, wardrobe, bed, that was it. No cooking facilities. There was a few lonesome souls in the world living in the same scenario. One room living, lost souls. We supported each other. So I moved out of there after stop drinking and I got to live in a share an apartment with someone flat type situation. Um, I'm going backwards and forwards here now. I got a car for myself. I got, um, you know, better job. I got a bit of education, you know. But if I did, I was still emotionally, um, very, very, not well. Just not well. And and you know that line that it says, emotionally and mentally. I definitely had all that stuff, and that's what. You know, taking away the alcohol and um, drugs hadn't stopped. Um, taking away the alcohol meant life was more manageable. Um, but I needed a lot more help. And I went to a treatment centre. I was involved with somebody else that I was obsessional about. And he said he'd marry me if I went to this treatment centre, to that treatment programme. He went through it himself. And so I, I went to that treatment centre in uh, Rutland and it was over Christmas and uh, it broke me. And, and there was a breakthrough in it. And I know to this day, like when people talk about the demon alcohol and the demon drink, but I know this day that that place I left whatever that demon was behind me you know it was the most uh, humiliating uh, devastating um, torture I'd ever been put through but I I'm I couldn't have done it without the breakthrough that I hadn't I couldn't have lived with the head I had on me I couldn't live with the torment and the low self-esteem the low self-worth and you know my mother came to confront me about my behavior and her 
protective nature was that I was always a lovely girl. Even though I had embarrassed her, I had, you know, my behavior was anything but nice. I didn't know nice. I knew abuse. I knew abuse. I knew ugliness. I knew how to mock. I knew how to uh, hurt. I knew how to all those things. But I didn't know how to care for people. I didn't know how to care for myself. I My values, I had no value. I had no belief in anything. I had no faith in anything or anyone. And I had absolutely no peace of mind. My heart was not non-existent. No care for me for anything that was out there. And I was caught in this demon energy that I feel was taken from me in that treatment center. When I left there, I left with a sense of that I could do something with my life, that I could, you know, that that this shadow that had followed me for all those years was lifted. And it was going to take courage, it was going to take commitment, but I was willing to do it. And when I was in the treatment center as well, I remember I have to do what they asked me. Whatever they asked me to do, I've just got to do it. I can't keep living like this. I had such mental torment. And the, in the place, in the place, well, you know, you weren't allowed to be taking any form of medication. There was no going away from, there was no, you know, there was no, you know, I see now that a lot of people go into these treatment centers and they are on some type of medication. Well, when I was in, there was nothing allowed. You weren't allowed to visit or you weren't allowed to call. You weren't allowed, they took you to the cleaners. The, the, so the doing to it for the first two weeks and they broke it down the second two weeks and the last two weeks they built you back up and gave you a bit of dignity. They showed you yourself and what you might be if you didn't do what you were doing before. And it was a wonderful, I'd have to say, it was a wonderful, but I said, I'll never be back. <laughs> but I'd recommend it to anyone. You know, I'd recommend it, I don't care. And even I think when we're a while sober and we're a while around, I'd nearly go back for a cleanup, you know, because there's times when it gets really hard and it did get really hard. And it got very dark um, in the years that I've stayed sober. And what I've discovered as well is that the people who do stay sober for a long time, there's usually several breakdowns that come. And I don't call them breakdowns anymore. I think they're actually breakthroughs because we have to keep growing. And I've had to keep growing. I've had to keep learning. I've had to keep expanding my own horizons. And I had to get interests in things in life. I had to learn to laugh. I had to learn to dance. I had to learn to play again like a child. I had to learn to take on the world as a woman. I had to work. You know, I had my own business. I had my own house. I had houses, not alone house, but houses. Um, cars, I've had them the color I wanted. I have the house the color I want. I can, you know, I've got a freedom like, like, you know, the talk and the promises about freedoms. I've got 
uh, you know, choices in life. I've traveled, I have, you know, as I say, dipped in the Ganges. Uh, I study Eastern philosophy and, and uh, because I found a lot of the poets that I learned about and writers that I read uh, found inspiration in Eastern philosophy. And anyone I read that I enjoyed, I wanted to know who taught them. So I'd see who their teacher was and where did they, who inspired them. And I've let that be my journey. If something inspired me, I went towards it. I went towards the things of beauty. I went towards the things that lifted my heart and the things of beauty other people might call eccentric, I consider beautiful. And that's okay. I don't mind. Let them think what they like. You know, I go dancing in the evening at six o'clock with a group of people half my age, silent disco, because I need to move and I need to dance and I need to play in the wet grass with my bare feet and the ocean is right beside me here. And I'm free to do that. And I don't mind if they're, you know, they probably might come with white coats one of the days. But <laughs> I, I, I won't be taking a drug for them. Not a drug will pass my lips. I will not go and take a drug. I will not wash my hands in alcohol. I've washed my hands off it. I will not, in any form, take a substance. And I'm free. I am a spirit, a free spirit. You know, I'm not caught in, I'm not caught in, you know, um, all that madness that I had spiraling in my head. And I'm not saying that it doesn't come, as somebody said, you know, they wake up in the morning and they're, they're free. But, you know, they, they, they haven't, but they haven't even got out of bed yet for the resentments and all the, the darkness to come in. But if the darkness comes in and when it does, and it will anyway, because that's the way the mind works, the thoughts are always being turned around and turned up. We just had uh, a lunar eclipse and, and the world keeps spinning and the churning keeps happening and the changes keep coming. And, and what we have is an opportunity to build on it and to change with it and to grow with it, not run from it, not hide from it, recognize our darkness, recognize our light, play to the light, you know, but recognize that we have the darkness. And I've been rescued out of it. I know I've been rescued out of it. So I'm not afraid. I know, <laughs> like, I've experienced it. Like, people can say, oh, this is terrible. And they can tell you the story. And I've heard the stories, you know, and I, I'm quite open to help people who come and want to share their stories with me. And I'll hear the he said and she said and this happened and I lost the job and I got the job and I got the car and I got the house and the roof fell in. And I've done all those things. I've, I've had all those experiences. My friends have died, people in my family have died. You know, I've had the, you know, I've had all those. Everything comes and goes. Everything keeps changing. And, and this is the thing, I've got to keep adapting. I've got to keep going with the flow. I've got to accept these things that are gonna change. You know, I've got to learn to, to have the courage, get up and rise again. That's that great, great poem from Maya and Gaylor that says, and still I rise, you know, and still I rise. And I do, and I have, and I will continue to rise, but rise to my own tune, 
it won't rise to someone else's. And that's something that I'm proud to be able to say. And I'm not saying I don't, I wouldn't adapt to and try to be as civilized as I can. But when it comes down to the wire, this is a lonely road. Getting sober is a lonely road. The road gets narrower, they say, as I heard. And Anton, I was saying to Mark yesterday when I was talking to him, Anton, I've let go of his head plow marks on it, you know, that I I hold on for as long as possible to a particular interest, I'd say, because I've had many. But then the day comes when it's over and the door closes and I'm guided in my spirit by the beauty of something else. And I'm off again on another track. Currently, it's, the big thing is cryptocurrency. And, you know, the whole thing of uh, where they've gone up or they've gone down, but the horse is still running. And <laughs> while it is, I'm in it, you know, and I'll have to say I enjoy it, but maybe I might be better off to step out of it. But I need to have interest. I need to be reading. Um, um, I, I need to be, I need the inspiration of what the world is around me. I need to be able to participate. I still have come from a big family. We just had a gathering at the weekend and, you know, it, it's, um, it has its interesting moments as anyone that belongs to into big family. It can be interesting, and if you're the eccentric in it, it's even more interesting because they'll always have a comment. And do you comment back, or do you try and keep it quiet? Like, and I can keep it quiet for a while, but I'll invariably, um, you know, be pushed to come to show. But they're great people, lovely people. Um, but I need, I need my space. I do love those people. They are beauties. And the, there's another poem that, that uh, I like uh, from Rumi that says, it's called The Guest House. And um, it says, he says, um, welcome whoever comes, because each has been sent as a guide from beyond. And I, I know that now that the people who come into my life are teachers. Whether I like them or not, it, it's not important, but they're teachers. I have a little dog ready to part this world. He's, 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 and I'm asking him, how much more is he to teach me? Because he's deaf now and he's blind, but he can still waddle to the door and, you know, he might announce himself shortly before this is, is over. That's what I was worried about. Will he, will he do a dance or will he sleep through it? But, but yeah, but he's a lovely little thing, but his time is time is nearly up and, and I will shed the tears, you know, but then they say there's nothing to shed, there's nothing to cry about because we're spirits and we go back to spirit. And I don't know what in the concept of spirit that other people have, but for me, it, it's a freedom to be at one with the universe, come back into oneness with the universe. And I am that anyway, but I try to, to tune into that, whether it's through a song or a dance or, or you know, 
studying the stars. I, that's what I that's what I love to do is to be reminded the, of the vastness of the universe and the rhythm of it and the order of it and the beauty in it. And I find the beauty. It lifts my heart every time I go there. And I have a few students, you know, and I have a website and I'm trying to learn the, the computer and the all this stuff that goes with, you know, reaching people at another level with what I've learned. And I've, as I said, I have a few students and I love having a few students because I love my subject. And all I want is one or two students that love it as well. And 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 it's just a joy. And um and I'm so lucky. I'm so lucky to have this and to have this opportunity. Um I had a, a fire in my I I had a business and um that I was in and um it was called Pearls of Wisdom and New Age Shop. So <laughs> Yeah, and people came all the time asking the questions, you know, even the local bookshops, if somebody had a problem or wanted to know about something, I sold all the heads and stuff and, and the, all that recovery stuff. In the local shops, if, if somebody was looking for a book about something, that would, anything like that, they'd send them down to me because I'd talk to them. And I always felt while I was in the shop that as long as there was somebody out there that needed me, I'd be there and the day would come when it would be over. I didn't make any money or in it. So when I had the fire um, and I wasn't insured, but I lived upstairs in the building and um, I put the building up for sale. I managed to buy the building, you know, buy the premises. And so I got good money for the shop and I managed to buy the house that I'm in right now. And um, uh, yeah, so so I'm, I now get the pension as well the last couple of years. And um, yeah, it's been, a, it's been a, it's been a very interesting journey and it's, there's a child in me that likes to play and she's getting more freedom to do it all the time. There's a poem as well about when I'm an old woman, I'll wear purple. Well, I do. <laughs> and and uh, and everything is purple. The floors and the chairs and the cutlery and the, it's just, it's what I do. I've been doing it for years. Um, I didn't have to wait to be old to do it either, but I love it again. I can do the things that I think are lovely to do and and there's a great freedom in that. Um, but I always feel that, you know, I come from Ockram, which is a small village, as I said, I started out then in the west of Ireland and that doesn't change and that will never change, you know. But I've always been fascinated with the stars as well. That will never change, you know. And, and um, not this lifetime now anyway. Um, and my real education started in Alcoholics Anonymous. And for that, I'm eternally grateful. Might have been terrible, you know, 
growing period in that too. But it's always about growing. There's no place to stand still. There's just no place to stand still in this. And that for me is, is you know, um, the most important thing. And to face the challenges. I might be slow at doing it. I might procrastinate sometimes for too long. But I have to, um, I have to, I have to keep changing and growing. And I have to face the thing, go to the show, get in the car, even with the lockdown, you know, and I I couldn't drive and the car had a lovely purple Chrysler that I had. It seized up out there for the one to movement, no more than myself, you know, being locked down and not being able to go in places and not being able to go any place. And, and, um, and I live beside the sea here, so I didn't. And as I said, a nice park across the road and, you know, I have a nice little dog and I have friends and, you know, but you couldn't even talk to the neighbours here. And people were walking out in the middle of the road to avoid you because you have a grey head. You know, I mean, I, do, I don't dye my hair. I don't think there's a need to. There's a beauty in the soul in everyone that's free to be expressed. It doesn't need the makeup. It doesn't need the, the colouring. It's like... We're being sold. We're being sold a, um, a farce where the most beautiful thing we have is the light that shines within us. And I've seen it time and again in Alcoholics Anonymous. I've seen that light come on in people. It's like the grace that comes through them once they stop drinking. The ugliness stops. The language, the pub language stops. They. I've seen it time and again. And, and I've been, you know, privileged to have maybe helped a few. I don't have sponsees. I don't have a sponsor. I did, didn't have, you know, I didn't, I, I'm, I'm not teachable. <laughs> Experience has been my teacher the whole way along. And we have to find our own feet, you know, People are very willing to tell you what to do and what works for them. But there's nobody that has taken the road I have taken. I went towards the people that appealed to me. I went towards the people that held out a light that I could see. And I still do. I go towards what I think is, is something that I want to achieve. Whether it's a writer, whether it's a, a, a member of Alcoholics Anonymous, I look for the common ground. And if I feel safe, I'll go there. If I don't feel safe now, I'll back off. Very simple. It's the same as when, as a barmaid, you can see them come through the door. You can see through who's going to make a scene, who's high maintenance. You can see it straight away. And uh, I try and back, sidestep uh, those situations now as much as I can and go towards the people who are free, have less fear, less hurt, less anger, because that's all that's wrong. That's all that's in us. We're either full of all that hurt and painful stuff or we have opened our hearts. And that's what's happened to me in Alcoholics Anonymous. The first thing I had was a plant. Take care of that. <laughs> Simple. But just to take care of something else. I, I thought 
you know, I was the one that was the victim. But in actual fact, I needed to learn to love myself. I needed to learn to see the light in myself. And I couldn't do it until, I couldn't see it in anybody else until I could feel it in myself. I, I couldn't, I didn't have the capacity. But once I knew I could care for something, I was given a pup then as well. That was another thing. Take care of that. And, you know, once, once I could feel something, you know, they just knew I was alive. I used to go out here in the Atlantic to swim, just to remind myself, to remove myself from the numbness of being who I was locked into this thing, you know. But once the feelings start coming, it was just, it's just, it's a great thing. And, and even to feel a tear come or to feel a laughter come or to feel a sadness come or, you know, and to be able to hear someone else's and, and be able to help with, to listen. To listen at a meeting is a meditation in itself, like just to be there, just to be in that moment with that being. Thank you.